have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, and cause me to think straight. In Jesus' name. Amen. I look at your neighbor and go, mm, 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 mm. Got to do that finger thing now. Okay. I forgot to miss Patrick's uh, surgery coming up. Do we have a date? M- MRI? Okay. Find out Tuesday. So, so we got dad battling, we got son battling, and mom's in the middle taking Xanax. So everything's. <laughs> I asked Brian, I said, well, why don't you do certain things? And he said, well, there's this little blonde-headed girl that's watching me like a hawk. So I got you. How you doing today? Good. Life is fun, isn't it? Full of, full of things that make you go, hmm. God has called us to love each other, has he not? Above everything, we're supposed to love each other. I may not agree with you. In fact, I may disagree with you pretty greatly. Doesn't mean I can't love you. Amen? So, we're going to work from that position as, as Christians and as a church. We always want to be people who love each other. So always remember that. In all of your dealings with people, first of all, love them. And uh, usually the other stuff will fall by the wayside if you love them enough. Amen. We're in our third week of our series, Necessary Sins. And as I've mentioned, uh, some people, or most people I should say, find it real easy to uh, categorize some sins as absolutely wrong. You know, the big ones, like rape and murder and Stealing, I mean, those, those just, everybody, it's, it's universal. Oh yeah, yeah, that's sin, that's sin. Then there's a few of those that, um, little ones that we tend to do that we think, well, you know, I mean, it's not quite that bad, is it? And we've talked about lying and we've talked about gossip. And today's topic is going to be more fun. As we kind of peel back layers in our, in our life. Things that we like to stay, keep covered up and layered up. We don't want anybody to see. Well, sometimes God's Word begins to peel them back. That's a painful experience when God peels back things, isn't it? It's never pleasant. But in order for healing to happen in anybody's life, you gotta peel back the layers sometimes. Amen? You just do. You just do. Now, we've been using a verse as a prayer out of Psalm 139 uh, for the last two weeks. We want to do it each week. And uh, I just love the power of these words that David penned in Psalm 139. Uh, let's read them together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I like that section right before verse 24 that says, my anxious thoughts. Do you have any anxious thoughts? I do. I get anxious sometimes. 
And yet God says, cast all your cares upon me. So I quickly try to go there. Doesn't mean I'm not going to have the thoughts. Sin begins in the thought process. It doesn't begin in my fingers. Or even in my eyes. It begins in my thought process. Now my eyes become the conduit to my thought process and my fingers become the tools that God needs me to get control of because Satan will say, okay, 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 okay. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about lust. And especially sexual lust. And some of you are getting uncomfortable already. I'll try to be as discreet as possible. I have young people sitting up here in the front. don't want to get too graphic because I don't want them to uh, have their thought processes going in the direction I don't want them to go. I believe with all my heart that these are the type of things that we must teach in church. The world's already taught this and will continue to teach it in the wrong way. We need to teach this in the right way. So today I hope that we accomplish that. Most people believe that sexual lust is really a problem for men. Men are the ones who normally and categorically are the ones listed that really struggle with this. Lust of the eyes and the sexual things related to that lust. After all, men are visually driven, so there you go. Well, today's Christian Woman magazine did a survey among women, including Christian women, and they found that one-sixth of the women, non-Christian and Christian, struggle with the addiction to pornography. When I read that this week in preparation, I, I thought, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Then I got to thinking about our society that we live in, our culture that we live in. It's saturated, saturated with these types of things. I used to have teenage uh, boys in my home. (laughs) If you have teenagers in your home, you know this can be a struggle. If you have teenage boys in your home, it can be a real struggle. In fact, children between the ages of 12 and 17 are the target age groups where most of the consumerism of porn is found in the ages 12 to 17. Now back when I was in that, and that was back when Moses came over with the ark when I was a teenager. I mean, it's been a long time. Been a long time. Some of you can say, that's longer for me. <laughs> I understand. But back when I was a teenager, perhaps when you were a teenager, you had to be more creative to be able to View things that you see readily today. Never, never would I ever have seen what I see in TV commercials today. Never would I have ever seen what I see in primetime television today. Or hear the words used in primetime television today. It's amazing. And that concerns me. Concerns me because there seems to be more tolerance towards this type of thing. Much more tolerance. I mean, tolerance is a good thing at times, and sometimes it's not. Christians have got to start standing up and quit being so tolerant about everything. 
Stand up. What are they going to do? Call you names? Jesus said, blessed are you if they revile you for my name's sake. Hey, did you forget that was in there? He said, blessed are you if they persecute you for my name's sake. Did you forget that was in there? Yeah, blessed are you. He just keeps, he gives a whole bunch of things. So stand up. It's okay. Because sometimes you can make a difference by standing up. There is a atheist group in Wisconsin that every year they go around the country and they find school systems that are allowing Christianity to be promoted through, say, football programs or sporting events or whatever. And so they went after two. They sent letters to two. One was in Midlothian, Texas, and the other one was down in Florida. Both had chaplains of their football program. And those letters threatened the school with lawsuits if they didn't uh, eradicate Christianity from their school systems. And superintendents in both cities said, we, this is their phrase, we are going to eradicate Christianity from all of our school system. Really? Somebody needs to take a stand, don't they? Somebody needs to take a stand. But there's tolerance, and we tolerate too much lust. Way too much. Girls get mad because we tell them that their clothes are too tight or too short. Guys, we tell you to put a shirt on, please. I know that you've got this bod that's so hot and you want everybody to see it. And you've been playing basketball and you're sweating and you're really hot. Leave your shirt on. That's clinging to me. Then you don't play basketball. See, there's a modesty that we ought to promote before immodesty. Because... It can lead to lust on either side. We need to be sensitive to that. Now, I don't think there's any fear of you seeing me without my shirt on. I don't think so. First of all, it it would get real ugly. Some of you are shaking your head and laughing now. My wife just fell out of the seat back there, but anyway. But the other thing that concerns me, not only the tolerance issue, but the accessibility issue. Like I said, when I was, a, I was younger, when I was a kid, you know, we had to really be creative to find things to see. Well, not now. Well, you can hold up that cell phone, you got a walking computer in your hand. Even while you're in church, you can be doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing on that phone. In church. Well... Just not getting anything out of the service today. Oh, really? It's easy. It's free. Way too easy. So there's an accessibility that's that's really, really feeds into the temptation. But again, people will say, it's no big deal. It's not hurting anybody. I do this in the privacy of my room and my home and it's nobody's business what I do. I would contend that there's one man upstairs that watches over us all that it is his business. 
if you have claimed Him as your Savior. Now, if you're not a Christian, then this message applies nothing to you. It means it will mean nothing to you. But if you're a believer in Christ and you're walking with Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this means everything to you. Jesus kind of took this a different way by saying it's no big deal. He says in Matthew 5, You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. It's just because I look? What's the old phrase I've heard many, many times? It's okay to window shop as long as you don't go in and buy? Hmm. Well, you know, I, I mean, I'm going to see things. I mean, that's just fact of life. I have eyes. They're going to see. But Jesus said it's the intent of how I see, isn't it? It's the intent of how I see. I see food all the time. Everywhere I go, I see food. Why is that? Because I fight it up here all the time. Satan knows. I'll drive by. South wind's blowing. I'll get out of my car. What do I smell? Grease. That's really what it is. But I call it fries. Yeah. Or you'll go by a, a barbecue place and you'll smell that meat smoking out back. Oh, man. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Some of you. Back. Okay, you pious people. No, don't ever. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. Bakery. Bread. Oh, listen to her. She's, uh, it's time to pray and go home. She's ready to eat. <laughs> That's the only problem with me talking about food about this time every day, every Sunday. But you see, Jesus said, if you even capture it in your eyes and your mind goes there, well, so what we need to do is take all the temptations, so all the women need to be taken out of the way. Amen? For us men, it's all you women's fault. Mm-hmm. Well, James, I like James. I don't like to read him too often because he's really brutally honest about my walk with God. But he says in James chapter 1, Temptation comes from our own desires, oh, which entices us and drags us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and, and when sin is allowed to grow, it does what? Gives birth to death. Oh, mercy. So temptation comes from my own desires. Mm, I don't like that. And he uses the word entice, which entice us. Entice is a fishing term in the Bible. It's the Greek word deadzo. I can't, I can't say it. I've got it broken down there for you. Means to entrap, to allure, to entice. It's that fishing term. I don't fish. If you've ever watched me fish, you know I don't fish. (laughs) But I understand the purpose of fishing and I understand what lures do. And lures trick the fish to get the fish to come and swallow the lure, which has a hook attached to it. And they don't see the hook, do they? They just see the little thing that's skimming through the water. And once they get hold of it and your line tightens or your rod pops, you're supposed to pop it and set the hook. Did I get that right for you fishermen people? Good. 
So when we think about setting the hook, how does Satan set the hook in us through lust? I'm going to give you three ways. First of all, you're exposed to sexual impurity. You're exposed. You're exposed to sexual impurity. Maybe you grew up and had a friend of the opposite sex as you were growing up and both of you were uh, kind of born at the same time and you lived close to each other and you were friends and you played each other's house back and forth, back and forth. You'd play, you know, guys would never admit that they played doll stuff with girls and girls would never admit that they played ball stuff with guys. And, you know, you just do that back and forth because you're just little kids. And as you grow up, things start changing. And you start doing experimentation. I want to see things. You show me, I'll show you. <laughs> I dare you. That kind of stuff. Uh, Cindy and I were shopping some time ago in the mall. And uh, uh, before they remodeled Woodland Hills Mall. And uh, my idea of shopping with Cindy is I find a bench. And I sit there while she goes like a house of fire doing that shopping stuff. My job is to pay the bill and to carry the stuff out. That's my job. But I was sitting by uh, Sears, I think it was, and around the corner from Sears was one of those lingerie, I don't remember which one it was, lingerie stores. And uh, a, a mom and a boy were walking by. The boy had to be maybe 12, you know, just a young, young 10, 12, 13, something there. He's walking along, and the mom and him, and the mom, you know, they're on a clip. I mean, the mom's on, she's on a mission, right? So the boy's walking along, kind of a step behind her, and he gets to that store, and the mannequins dress like they dress them in the windows. That boy did what every boy does at that age. He stopped, turned, put his hands on the window, and leaned in with his mouth and his eyes big. And his mom realized that he wasn't with her in tow. Turned and saw what he was doing. And it got real ugly <laughs> at that point. I've never seen an ear stretch that far. But off that little boy went real fast with his mom. Because see, that store knew that if they put the things in the window, it would catch somebody's eye. And it caught that boy's eye. Now, I didn't catch my eye. I put my hand up like this. No sin, no sin, do not come over here. Not that I followed the little boy and stopped with him. <laughs> that's, for a different, that's for a different time and place. How about ads on the web? Do we see any ads that show abuse from lust? Not very often. It's usually the glamorous type. Do you remember who introduced you to see things you shouldn't see growing up? The problem is, is once the things are introduced, which leads us to the second thing, you're exposed to sexual impurity, and then secondly, you sustain a mental injury. You're injured. You're injured. Now, you're not injured physically out here. You're, men, you're, you're injured mentally. Mentally. Because once it enters your brain, it doesn't leave. Now, you can train the brain. You can retrain things. But the injury is here. If you're abused, you never forget it. 
You never forget it. God can heal. But there's a scar. There's a scar. You see, the mind was born pure. You remember when your kids were growing up and they began to, what what do we say, they lost their innocence? And it's a sad day, isn't it, when, when children lose innocence? But there's an injury that's coming into that, into that mind, into that brain. Pollution. Wounds come into that brain. Uh, I read an article this week on, uh, it seems like there's a lot of child abuse in the, in the news nowadays. And I read an article where a, a man had taken a five-month-old baby and was abusing that baby. There's, there's just something inherently evil, wrong in an adult that would do that. Period. Period. But that child is going to be wounded. Mentally. It's kind of like a computer virus. You ever had one? And boy, when they get in, they spread all through that computer. And they, they wrapped themselves around certain things in that computer. And you've got to get somebody that knows how to get into those things and take it out and unhitch it and unload it and untake it out and kill it and do all that. Whatever you do with them. What it does is it corrupts. And that's exactly what lust is. It's a virus that corrupts us, especially in the areas of sex in our life. So we're exposed to sexual impurity. We're, we sustain a, a mental injury. And then thirdly, we become sexually conflicted or sexually confused. See, there's times where we simultaneously have feelings of enjoyment, but at the same time we have feelings of shame. That's what lust will do. It'll give you a rush, only to be... See, God never expected us to feel shame and guilt. He never, never did. But Satan is the author of both and brings it so that we will taste it and feel it and understand it. Romans 7, Paul says, the thing I want to do, I don't do, and the thing I don't want to do is what I am doing. Well, I think that applies to lust in our life as well. Some people will say, well, I'm single, Pastor, so, you know, I mean, I just, I just have needs and, you know, and I just... Not hurting anybody, it's just, you know, it's just, just me, it's just it's not hurting anybody. Might be married. Even married couples struggle with pornography, with lust of the eyes. And they justify it, it's always justifiable. Well, my needs aren't being met. And actually, it's nobody's business, so keep your nose out of my business. Once again, if you are a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ, and He's the Master and Lord of your life, it matters to Him. Because our lives become an example of what He is. Amen? See, there's hope in marriage, and we think, okay, if I get married, then, okay, that's going to take care of that. I won't ever be tempted in that way again, only to find out that we are. Especially if we've had the lustful problem before marriage, there's a tendency for it to keep coming if we never get that thing healed, if we never get that thing addressed in our life. Because we're dealing with an injury that has to be healed. An injury that has to be healed. See, when someone confesses, they're injured. 
they're coming with a confession of sin, and it says that they're injured. And if they're injured, they need help. Patrick hurt his knee. He needs help to get that knee to be right again. Bryant came down sick with a blood disorder. He needed help to get the blood disorder under, under control. I'm sick. I need help to get my eating habits changed and under control. You see what I'm saying? No matter, you're filling the blank, whatever blank you got. Because we've all got them. So what lust is driving you? And is there any hope and is there any help? Yes, there is. Let me give you two. I want to give you two ways you can heal a lustful wound. First of all, protect the wound. When I was a kid growing up, I had a, had a, a, a paper route. Any of you have a paper route growing up? Just me? Okay, awesome. Thank you, Brother Kim. <laughs> Back when I was throwing papers, you had a morning edition and you had an afternoon edition. Because I played football, my brother threw the afternoon, I threw the morning because he didn't want to get up early, so I had to get up at 5 o'clock every day and go throw the papers. Well, I got through one, one morning and I was just, I was, in record time, I thought, man, I'm going to get home and get another 20 minutes of sleep. Yeah, why, why do we think that way? So we're, there's a big hill right at the tail end of our, on my route home. It's a huge hill. Now you can really pick up some speed. So I get to the top of that hill. I jerk back on my bike. And when I do, the front tire takes off. And what I discovered real quickly is bikes don't work well without a front wheel. So the spokes hit the asphalt and I, w- I was launched from there into the air toward the bottom of the hill. <laughs> and as I hit the asphalt with my hands, drug along the asphalt, and when I stopped, I looked, throwed my hands over, and they were bleeding because they were all cut up. And I thought, wow, I bet that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> but it was hurting. So anyway, I found my tire, I limped my way back home, I wasn't very far now, but I limped my way back home. My mom saw my hands, and she would she rinsed them off and put some medicine on them, and then said, now, just leave them alone. I said, what do you mean leave them alone? She said, leave them alone. So pretty soon some scabbing came over, another day or so, I had some scabbing on top of my hands. And that was bugging me because I couldn't, I could, you know, I couldn't feel right. So I, I wanted to rub them and pick that scab off. And my mother would say, "Leave those alone." And what I came to find out is that the scabs were important because the wound was there, but the scab was there to help bring healing to my hands, along with any medication and any ointments that she'd put on. Well, that's what happens in our life, in our thought processes, is we have scars up there. Now, there's healings brought, but there's sometimes there's scars left. And those scars can be helpful because the scars remind us of a bad time. The scars remind us of a lustful time that we gave in and we shouldn't have. And the good news is, God can take that injury, that wound, and bring complete healing to it. Eventually, my hands healed up. You can't even see the residue of where I slid on that asphalt many years ago. It's all healed up as though it never happened. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? But you see, God does it every day. He does it all the time. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. I mean, that's 
That's pretty, pretty straightforward, isn't it? Paul says it this way. Flee from sexual immorality. So it's not enough to just resist it. It's not enough to just run away from it. We have got to flee from it. You gotta flee from it. You gotta run from it. You can't just fight it. You can't just resist it. Sometimes you just gotta pick up and run. When I'm by the buffet going to Mardell's at 71st and Mingo, and I, I drive by that buffet, I go through my mind every time I drive by there, man, I wonder what they're, all, what they're serving in there now. It goes through my mind every time. Not once, every time. And I never stop and go in there. But I always want to know what's in there. If I ever go in that door, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. They're going to lose money. They're going to lose money. Sometimes you just got to flee. You got to run. Stay completely away. And there's certain TV stations that we shouldn't have in our, on our TV. There's certain things on our computer that we shouldn't see. And maybe we need a monitor. Maybe we need accountability for that. There's a great program called Covenant Eyes that I'd recommend to you, especially if you have teenagers in your home. We ought to limit the apps that we have on our phone. If your wife asks you for the password to your Facebook or, fa- or passwords to anything that you look at on the Internet and you're afraid to give that to her, there's a reason. I'm getting more and more where you shouldn't even travel alone. You shouldn't be with a member of the opposite sex by yourself. Because it removes all sense or sorts of, power, of, uh, of opportunities. And people to wag their tongue. Be smart. Be honest. You're only as strong as you are honest. And as you protect the wound, God will heal your mind. He renews that mind day by day by day by day. Think on these things, Philippians 4.8. So protect the wound. And number two, pursue the life of God. In Ephesians 4.18 it says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. You see, we harden our hearts. That's why God can't get through to us. We believe that we're stronger than we really are. Realize how weak we are. Without God in our life, without the power of Christ in us, without the blood of Jesus covering our sin, how weak we are. But because we have all of those, Hey, amen, amen. We've got the blood of Jesus in our life. Never settle for a counterfeit. And that's what lust will do, is get you to think that the counterfeit will fit. And the counterfeit will, will uh, uh, bring what you need. If you're not married, honor God and honor your future by being pure. Stay pure. Stay pure. If you're married, develop intimacy, and that's far beyond the sexual act. Develop intimacy with your mate. Deepen trust. Discover and develop the depth of that relationship. It's been, it's always encouraging to me to watch couples as they work through rough spots in their life, and it's been a joy for Bryant and Lynn to let me see how they've operated through this very difficult time in their life. 
Lynn's a pretty strong woman. She's a, she's a no-nonsense kind of gal. And that's good. Real quiet-spoken, I mean, very soft-spoken woman. She doesn't say a whole lot until she has something to say. And then you better be listening. I mean, she looked at Patrick one day. I thought, he's, he's not going to be with us tomorrow. So, But develop that, you see. Work at it. If you want peace in your life, if you truly want peace in your life, there's only one way to get it. You'll have no fear. You'll have no guilt. You'll have no jealousy. That's if you stay pure with the Lord. So protect the wound and pursue the life of God. And the best way to do that, and really the only way to do that, is found in Psalm 119.9. It says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to the Word of God. By living according to the Word of God. It's so important that you let God's Word be what drives you, what, what consumes you, and what assists you in your walk day by day. And you might say, well, preacher, none of this really applied to me today. Okay, good. Good for you. Fantastic. Thank you for your patience in letting God speak to maybe one heart that did need it. Purity is possible. Healing, very possible. All you've got to do is reach out and let God heal you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time. I pray that if someone here this morning that needs to confess some sin to you, that they will do that. They can do that from where they are in their seat. They can do it right now in this very moment. But there is something very accountable about making that a public declaration. But Father, that takes a lot of courage. But I pray that you will move in people enough to where they would sense your great love for them. And even in the midst of the sin that they may be entangled in, that you are ready to rescue and to heal. Because you're in that business. You've never gone out of that business of healing us from head to toe in every possible way. So God, we're calling out to you in the areas of life that we struggle in. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's gossip. And today we talked about lust. And God, I just pray that you would help us to get hold of all those thoughts. That so easily entangle us. And that, Father, we'll run that race that you've called us to. And we'll keep our eyes lifted up to the author and perfecter of our faith. And that, Father, we will think on things that are pure and holy and righteous. And that we'll learn to balance our eyes as men. When we see something we shouldn't see, to move our eyes somewhere else. Father, I pray that we would not be caught up in the justification of our sin, but in the confession of our sin on a daily basis. Bless us, Father, today. If there's someone here that needs to respond to this message, this day, this hour, we pray that you'll move in their life to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.